A short but surprising quarterly grains report seemed to upend a year of worry about extremely short soybean supplies. What other clarity might this report offer for the months ahead? That's today on Field Posts. Fieldpost is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. The September 30th quarterly stocks report wasn't expected to cause much of a stir, but bigger-than-expected updates to soybean total surprised markets and analysts alike. DTN's Todd Holtman joins us today to unpack USDA's updates and discuss how these updated figures fit into the overall picture as the 2021 season inches closer to a close. We'll talk more about what new stock levels mean for adjacent markets like ethanol and crush, how exports might come into play, and what might be on the horizon in terms of prices going into the October WASDE and beyond right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential, more than ever, to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent, trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at MyDTN.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman joins us today to discuss the September grain stocks report from USDA. Todd, we had the big report come out on Thursday of last week. So we've had a little bit of time for the markets to respond as well. But give us kind of the top line readout of this uh, grains report. Yeah, well, uh, the main star usually are the September 1 grain stocks. And in that regard, the big surprise of the day was USDA finding 256 million bushels of soybeans on hand September 1st. That was more than anyone expected Um, and uh, uh, quite a bit more. If you recall earlier in the year, we were wondering if there was even going to be 100 million bushels of ending soybean stocks at the end of this year. But 256 is a, a much more comfortable amount and uh, put a lot of worries at ease as far as uh, tight soybean supplies go. Yeah, I, let's dig into that the soybean number there a little bit because, you know, I think, yes, we've had a very stressful year thinking about the stocks and, and how limited those might be, especially as we, you know, work through some weather concerns throughout the summer. But, um, you know, what is this going to mean for prices going forward? And how did the how did the market react to seeing that figure in such an unexpected place? Yes. Uh, well, the market was definitely down. Uh, I think we were 27 and three quarter cents on the day, and we've since fallen uh, even lower. We're probably about uh, 50 cents lower uh, since that report. Um, so it, it was a bit of a bearish surprise. It uh, 
kind of uh, just relieves a lot of uh, anxiety, I think, about are we going to have enough soybean supplies ahead? Now, China is still the big wild card and could change all of that. But uh, instead of being, say, the second tightest year in the past 20 years, uh, it's it's just in, in a more comfortable range. It's, it's uh, kind of more... Uh, it's still historically tight, but uh, just not as drastically or dangerously tight as far as U.S. soybean supplies go moving forward. I'm curious as well, you know, in terms of the surprise that we got there, was this USDA adjusting figures that like, wh- where did that surprise come from? Where was USDA pulling extra soybeans from that they didn't know about earlier in the year? <laughs> well, uh, my take is that the uh, quarterly stocks uh, reports are fairly solid and they're um, pretty cut and dry. You know, it's basically taking inventory. It's, so it's surveying a lot of producers and all the commercial firms. And uh, so in terms of coming up with uh, an accurate number, it's one of the best modes we have of actually keeping track of uh, corn supplies on hand. And of course, I would like to see them do that every month instead of the WASD report. It's the WASD report where our expectations really get derailed uh, because it's built on so many estimates and guessing and assumptions. uh, And uh, over time, uh, those assumptions can kind of go unchecked until we get to these quarterly stocks reports. And so uh, Thursday's report really was just a, a wake up call back to reality and brought a, uh, a misguided WASDE process back in line. I'm curious, you know, you talked a little bit about China and demand in that wild card, but in terms of other demands, pushes and pulls on soybeans over the next few months, you know, how do you expect this report to affect things like crush, um, you know, export other exports beyond China? What, what does this mean in terms of the next couple of months? Yes. Uh, well, number one, uh, we, we should have plenty of su- supplies available for crush. So uh, it's not like we'll you know, have to be concerned that, oh, there's not enough beans to crush in the year ahead or things like that. Um, and so uh, basically, it's just going to come down to actual demand. It, it, it won't be, as I say, there won't be as much anxiety in the market. And that, that's probably the main thing. Uh, moving forward. And of course, we're going to have uh, a new supply here from harvest uh, as combines are rolling right now. So uh, those supplies are building as we speak, and uh, there's going to be plenty of available. There should be no sense of uh, panic in terms of, uh, oh, we got to crush everything we can now in case we run out of beans later. That's kind of the mode that we were in last year. Uh, this, this should be a more uh, relaxed, kind of a normal uh, type of market uh, as we see moving forward. I want to talk about corn a little bit as well before we move into wheat. Uh, you know, what were, in terms of watching corn stocks coming out of this, was that things, those figures mostly as expected by the market? Uh, it, it was fairly close. 1.24 billion bushels. Uh, the trade guess was 1.17. So it was a little more uh, than expected, but it's still our lowest ending stocks for corn in seven years. Um, so I, I, it was not nearly the shock in corn that we saw in soybeans. Uh, and actually, corn prices have been holding up fairly well since then. So uh, the market didn't see it as a shock either. And in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm always curious to look at 
you know, between corn and soybeans, it's interesting when those diverge in terms of USDA's kind of just ability to to get those right. You know, is it when you look at things like, you know, planted acres and, and how those figures shifted a little bit, is it just that USDA had a better handle on what was going on with corn than they had with soybeans? Or I don't know, any sense of what happened there? On the corn number, they actually reduced last year's production by 71 million bushels. Uh, now, why they and and this came at a time after they found more corn on hand September first than usual. Um, so uh, that's kind of an odd combination. Uh, we won't really know how they're going to explain it all until we get to the October WASDE report. Um, so we'll just kind of have to wait and see on that. But there is guessing involved on USDA's part as to, you know, what category should we put these changes that we found in? And uh, it's it's not always as solid or scientific as we'd like to think it is. And then in terms of what those, these corn changes, less significant than what we saw on the soybean side, but um, what those mean for the ethanol markets for, you know, livestock feed going into the end of the year, are you expecting those to to continue to affect markets? Or do you think pretty much the market has absorbed this information and, and things will start be, you know, kind of even over the next several months? Yeah. Well, in terms of the market, generally uh, the market just cares mostly about the ending supply or surplus of corn on hand at the end of the year. They don't really care so much about what categories uh, USDA puts those numbers in. Now, I should say the export quantity is fairly well known. The ethanol production quantity is fairly well known. It's the feed, feed uh, demand and residual that gets a little um, difficult to explain at times. Uh, but that's, that's kind of, the I think, the miscellaneous category for USDA. And I'm sure they'll work that out. But as far as the market's concerned, they're just mainly concerned about that September 1 stocks on hand at the end of the season and... Uh, it just gives us the best read on what kind of supplies are available. Todd, we'll be right back to you after this quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Marketplace. Marketing is a year-round business, but it's not your only job. As you focus on field work, monitor your opportunities, and easily make an offer with help from the free DTN Ag Marketplace app. DTN Ag Marketplace facilitates end-to-end -end grain sales on your schedule. From your mobile device, you can easily connect to local agribusiness to view current cash bids and futures to sell your grain. Need more accountability in your marketing program? The app lets you set goals and monitor progress and enter and track inventory. Start to confidently market your crops with DTN Ag Marketplace. Download it today for free in the Apple Store. Now, back to the show. And we're back again. Joining us today is DTN lead analyst Todd Holtman. Todd, I want to jump over to wheat before we talk about some big picture stuff, because wheat also had, you know, I think expected that it was going to be big because wheat has just had such a challenging year. But talk to us about what happened uh, in this report for wheat. Yeah. So, um, you know, typically uh, we kind of talk about wheat as a formality and uh, don't expect a lot and don't learn a lot. Uh, from the wheat numbers, but that was not true this year. We had a bit of a surprise in both categories. The September 1 wheat stocks came in much less than expected at 1.78 billion bushels, 
And uh, part of that was related uh, to the fact that uh, we did have less wheat production this year than earlier estimated. And of course, you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned drought this year. And that's been the big challenge and the big struggle uh, for wheat this year by far. So uh, the wheat stocks coming in lower than expected, plus the wheat production estimate was reduced from roughly 1.68 billion bushel guess to 1.65 billion bushels is uh, what USDA came up with for an all wheat uh, production total. So uh, between those two numbers, the the uh, wheat stocks situation is even lower than it was uh, before this report. And in fact, when we come up to the August, October WASDE report uh, here pretty soon, it's possible that we could see the lowest U.S. wheat stocks in uh, uh, 14 years. So it's a much, much tighter category than it's been for a long time. We've talked in the last couple, our last couple of WASDE episodes about, you know, what that means in terms of positioning in the global wheat space. I'm curious whether in your eyes, this report significantly changes where the U.S. is sitting, you know, with what's going on in Eastern Europe and, and other parts of the globe in terms of wheat and what that means in terms of, you know, demand over the next several months and, and going into 2022 where markets are likely to be. Yes. Well, the good news is, is that uh, world wheat supplies in general uh, are lower this year, probably about the lowest they've been in, in eight years when we look at the top exporters and the top export competition. Uh, Russia's production uh, is down and that benefits everybody. Uh, but probably the big winner in the export game this year is going to be Europe because they're just situated geographically in a good spot to take advantage of anything that Russia can't export. Um, for us, because we have lower supplies and because we're over here in the Western Hemisphere, uh, we won't necessarily see a, a boost in our wheat export business. In fact, it'll probably be uh, quite a bit lower again this year. But those wheat supplies staying tight is really uh, the main factor here for the market. In terms of effects going into the next couple months, um, or not next couple months, but into the you know next six months or so, do you expect that to mean, especially with the p potential for uh, the northern plates drought to kind of perpetuate, um, do you expect to see some acreage changes maybe towards wheat in some of the more marginal acres in the southern plains or throughout the Midwest in the you know the coming year? Well, I, I think that's a very good question, and especially now that we have $7 wheat prices, are uh, the winter wheat guys going uh, to come out and want to take back some of those acres that they've given up in prior years to trying corn and soybeans? And uh, I think that's quite possible. The limiting factor uh, this year could be drought somewhat, although uh, the southwestern plains have received some beneficial rains lately. So uh, it, it looks like their planting season is going to come off okay. In the Pacific Northwest, it's uh, still a tragedy. Extremely dry conditions up there. They have a possibility of rain in the extended forecast, but uh, it's it's getting a little late in the season. So uh, we may have another sacrifice of wheat production up in the Pacific uh, Northwest again, as far as winter wheat goes. Yeah, that an incredibly challenging uh, weather story just continues. Um, but I want to, you know, I'm curious, 
we have a WASI coming out in the next two weeks. You mentioned, you know, some numbers you're going to be on the lookout for of how USDA kind of explains or uh, works some of these new numbers into that report. What are you going to be looking for in terms of information coming out of that report? And how do you think, what are you, are you expecting the markets to potentially have a big reaction or expecting the October WASI to be potentially a calm one? Um, I, I think it'll it, it should be uh, fairly well anticipated. Although, when people see the new uh, U.S. ending wheat stocks estimate, uh, there may be a little bit of a, a, a bullish shock still left in seeing the actual numbers come through, um, and, and and that's certainly a possibility. And then uh, on soybeans. Uh, that 256 million bushel of ending stocks they're going to see, they're also going to see that correspond with an increase in uh, the estimate of 2020 production. So that's uh, that's already kind of been pre-explained uh, by USDA there. So I think for the most part, uh, we'll still be looking at the yield estimates uh, and, and, you know, we still have harvest underway and we're getting anecdotal reports from that. And it looks like there's a possibility of the corn crop might be a little lighter than expected. And, but uh, soybean yields sounds like uh, they could be increased in this October report. I'm curious as well, you know, by the time we get our next uh, quarterly grains report, we will be, harvest will be in the rearview mirror. Uh, we'll be looking at kind of getting some fresh figures coming out of the, that 2021, um, you know, kind of completed harvest. Uh yeah. What are you going to be looking at between now and then? What might change? Are you expecting these figures to be pretty close to what we will see then? Or do you expect there might be some big wild cards still in play? So that comes out in January. So uh, we'll be looking at uh, the final production estimates for this year. Uh, always gets a lot of attention in January. And then when it comes to the uh, December 1 stocks, which are released in that uh, January report. Uh, it'll be just kind of a confirmation for the most part of uh, what the harvest total was and in any uh, early effects of uh, demand there. And of course, we've had a very slow shipment season this year because of Hurricane Ida. It's been difficult to move grain through the Mississippi River to the Gulf. Um, so our, our export demand will probably uh, suffer this quarter because of that. In terms of other factors you're following uh, in the world, you know, I think this is a, a unique report that's not, you know, as up for changes or kind of maybe, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. WASD seem much more, you know, kind of potentially to potential to be influenced just because of, you know, the regularity with which they come out and and the type of information that's used to craft them, you know, a little bit more likely to be to to shift um, from report to report. Um, but yeah, I don't know when you, when you look at a port, a report like this, it sounds like you're pretty confident with what you see coming out of it relative to maybe other information from USDA. Yeah. Well, again, the grain stocks report is one of the best services that USDA provides. It, it gives us the actual handle on the amount of grain out there. And, uh, you just can't beat that type of information. Not that it's perfect. Uh, you know, it is also built on surveys. And so we're, we're counting a lot on a lot of people to be uh, relatively reliable in the information they provide. Uh, but uh, compared to the, the estimating process that we get in WASD every month, uh, these grain stocks reports, uh, some of the best pieces of information that we get. And, uh, and, and you can see the market adjusts to them uh, 
quite a bit when they're out of line with what we thought before. And in terms of other reports, other pieces of information coming out of USDA, uh, you know, between now and the end of the year, anything else that you're particularly sensitive to that you think might still have, you know, create some some movement in the markets before 2022? Well, my concerns moving forward, Sarah, uh, are uh, related to shipping and transportation. That's still uh, a really tough uh, industry uh, that we're in right now, especially uh, we're, we're still uh, reeling from the effects of last year's pandemic, and we still have port congestion and uh, all kinds of problems there. And it's still much more expensive to ship corn and beans than it was even earlier this year. Uh, and the other thing that's uh, cropped up lately is we see a, a spike higher in natural gas prices. And of course, that has influence over fertilizer cost, and that raises all kinds of uh, concerns about uh, fertilizer availability and what the price is going to be in the spring. And we've already seen those prices uh, soar up uh, quite a bit just the last few months. So uh, there, there's plenty of things to be worried about uh, in the future ahead. I'm not sure USDA will have answers on those fronts for us, but uh, they're certainly affecting our markets. Absolutely. Everything um, cha- feels like that change change begets change, uh, you know, cure for high prices is high prices kind of situation. Um, you know, once the, once grain prices go up, so does everything else. Yeah. And, and I think in this case, it still comes back to, uh, COVID and, uh, the success of, uh, getting vaccines out that, that work and seem to be, uh, getting back, getting helping us get back to some normalcy because that, still is at the root of a lot of these uh, shipping, transportation cost problems and, and all the problems that we hear of people getting parts and goods and, and uh, even related to this fertilizer situation. So it's just kind of a, the root be beneath a lot of these problems. You can read Todd's full analysis and up-to-the-minute reporting on all things ag markets at dtnpf.com or in the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Todd Holtman. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit DTN.com.